0: Hello, everyone. I need to make something clear. I am not totally against mainstream pornography companies because to paint all of them as ruthless is disheartening distasteful, and disdainful. I do my best to avoid generalizations and blanket statements. And the older I get, the wiser and better I am at addressing certain people when it comes to certain things, instead of painting everybody with a broad brush. So, I want to make this clear. I think this is the best way to start. I am open to adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are against instrumentality, meaning they are against treating people as a tool for for others' purposes. <laughs> I am open to uh, adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-denial of autonomy, meaning that they are against treating people as lacking in autonomy and self-determination. I am open to doing adult film work with Mainstream pornography companies that are anti inertness, meaning they are against treating people as lacking in agency and activity. I am open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are against fungibility. They are anti treating people as interchangeable with parentheses other objects I'm open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti violability meaning they are against treating people as lacking in boundary integrity and violable. they are against treating people as some things that are permissible to break up, smash, break into. I'm open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-ownership, meaning they are against treating people as though they can be owned, bought, and sold, such as slavery. I am open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-denial of subjectivity, meaning they are against treating people as though there is no need for concern for their experiences and their feelings. I am open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are against objectification. They are anti The act of treating people as objects and as things. I am open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-dehumanization. They are against the act of disavowing the humanity of others. I am open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-sexual objectification. They are against the act of treating people as mere objects of sexual desires. I'm open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-self-objectification, meaning they are against the objectification of oneself. I'm open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-reification. They are against the objectification of social relationships. Um, I'm open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-reduction to body. They are against the treatment of people that identify with their bodies and their body parts. I'm open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-reduction to appearance. They are against the treatment of people primarily in terms of how they look, and how they appear to the senses. I'm open to to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti-silencing. They're against the treatment of people as if they are silent, lacking the capacity to speak. I am open to doing adult film work with mainstream pornography companies that are anti commodification they are against treating people as commodities and as objects without regard to their personalities and their dignities i felt that it was morally excellent for me to commence that way because of what i'm about to read to you um I um, have thought about this very deeply. And I must say that I want to reiterate something for the last time by myself on on this episode. If I do again, we'll be able to guess. But I had to really understand that... Nothing and no one comes between me and my chosen family and my true friends. So if more of them expressed that they wanted me to just stick with the sex coaching and not do adult film work, I would go in that direction, not out of people-pleasing, not out of people-pleasing, not out of compromising values not out of forsaking my convictions, but I just never had the desire to do adult film work so strongly that I would do it despite my chosen family and true friends feeling otherwise feeling differently. Um, it's just not worth it for me to do that um, because I feel like it, my desire would have to be super strong and it's not that. So I'm still being true to myself. And I also discovered that I can explain, I can explain, like I'm explaining to you, explain to them that, hey, um, survivors of compound sexual assault, like I am, some of us want to see sex treated no differently than ceramics, paintings, Uh, Sculptures, for example, Um, we want sex to be presented in from the standpoint of inner beauty and to maximize the inner beauty component of sex. And it's like an unorthodox way of presenting sex from a um, a a compassionate masterpiece way. So that's how I would talk about it. Um, but again, I don't have a problem with you know anybody, because family, or true friends not liking the adult film work thing I'm, you know, thinking of doing, um, doesn't make me feel upset. Um, because again, I don't have a full-time porn performer desire. I don't even have a part-time porn performer desire. It's something I would want to do occasionally. So because I have an occasional desire, That's why I feel what I feel, you know. And so... I feel like... It's respectful for me to say... That... I think... I don't think mainstream porn has to be a bad thing. I think ethical mainstream porn... Is what I'm emphasizing. Basically... Ethical porn coming from large porn production companies. That's all it is. So that's what I focus on is I believe in making mainstream porn better, um, because that's potential to be sexually therapeutic people. I'm not saying don't go to sex therapy. You should, um, if you need that, if you need sex coaching and Uh, sex work therapists and um sexologists and sex experts you should definitely go I'm just saying that healthy porn is um um an extra icing on the sexual therapy cake and so I think um And I do understand that healthy porn can be a form of wholesome, comprehensive sexual education. It's just the icing on the cake in terms of healthy sex education. Um, Of course, it's not primary. Like, porn is not primary in terms of how to learn about sex and how to be a sensitive lover, that type of things. So I had to really... um, Think critically about that. So let's talk about it some more. Basically, what type of porn would I be willing to do? Okay, for example, I would do um, ethical erotica. Um, I would do. Ethical softcore pornography. Um, I would do... Ethical lit erotica. I would do ethical point of view porn. Um, I would do ethical mainstream pornography. I would do... uh, Ethical bespoke porn. Um, I would do... Ethical crowdsourced sourced porn. Um, I would do... Uh, ethical feminist pornography... Uh, let's see here. I would do... Ethical, sensual pornography. I would do, um... I would do ethical kinky porn, ethical roughs, ethical rough sex porn, ethical BDSM porn. Um I would do ethical Dior Dior photography. B-O-U-D-O-I-R. Ethical X-rated. I would do that. I would do ethical. Do uh no, definitely ethical hardcore pornography for sure. about these type of things from a rational point of view, like It's not an unhealthy obsession for me. It's actually a healthy obsession for me. I would do ethical virtual sex. Ethical sexting. Ethical camming. Ethical cyber sex. Ethical virtual reality sex. Ethical VR porn using a VR headset. Ethical long distance sex toys. Ethical online role playing. Ethical... Online sex games. Um, yes, I would do ethical virtual porn. Um, I'm just thinking about um i would do the ethical porn star experience PSC. hmm i think so much about um the fact that i don't live in reckless extremism i am a i'm a sex positive feminist because i fully support sex positive feminism I am an ethical slut. I am a person who lives a life of responsible, ethical non monogamy. I am a person who practices ethical polyamory. I am an ambiamorous person because I practice ambiamory. I am a person who does um I'll, I'll, the only definition I'll read is the ethical slot one. Because I know that causes people's attention to be the most... Uh, the most concentrated. It piques their interest the most. I'm an ethical slut because I am... I am wholesomely and openly non-monogamous... And I view nutritious, nurturing sex as a damn good thing for all adult parties involved with me. I am sex positive. I see sex as a pleasurable, benef- beneficial experience. I'm open about the sexual beliefs of mine. And I am honest with my sex partner's. I do not lead them into believing that our physical intimacy and our sexual intimacy can lead to anything else. Um, I live a wholesome, non-monogamous lifestyle slash love style that is honest and considerate of other uh, other people's feelings. And my lifestyle slash love style does lead to... Um inner beauty growth and and character building for me and them I am interested in multiple sexual partners so that's what all that means Okay, the last definition I'll read is this. I'm a person who's into sex-positive feminism. I fully support the idea that women's sexual freedom is an important component of their freedom in general. Um, academics and non-academics like me in this subject cover many elements of female sexuality, including teen sex, prostitution, transgender issues, and the female role in BDSM. Um, I've always... Um, had mixed feelings on teen sex. Um, I feel like. (sighs) Because it was something that I did when I was adolescent myself. So I'm not a hypocrite when I talk about it. I think. People should be close to the same age or the same age. I don't think anybody should be too young or too old. Um, Teen sex, though, however I feel about it, I feel that... um, And I'm choosing my words carefully. I think teen sex can be done ethically as long as there is comprehensive sexual education. Um, that there is, that they have healthy understandings of sex, you know. And and you know my model of sex, um... I believe in sex-positive parenting because I'm a sex-positive parent, parental figure. I value um, sex-positive uh, f- families, and that's what I want to help create because that's what I value. But the reason why I'm saying it be ethical is because I recognize that teen sex cannot be completely eradicated because human nature is itself. So... Instead of saying they should never do it at all, I was like, no. At teens with other teens and the age bracket makes sense. Okay. Um, but. We don't. I also don't want them to grow up too fast. You know, I think. That's important to think about. I don't want teens to grow up too fast or be grown too soon. Um, Because I know teen pregnancy has countless complications to it. So I don't judge harshly teen parents. Um, I know that's something that... We wouldn't want any child to experience because you know at least finish out your adolescent years and then 20 and 21 you know their pregnancy decisions are lack thereof is their decision but I think um I definitely value, as you know, safer sex, safe sex. I'm like, if teens are gonna do that, make sure that they are birth controlled and it's not um, excessive. But there's no malnutrition either. And I found that middle ground on teen sex for real. Um, I don't want people having sex too young. And, um, I also don't want them to be with anybody that's too much older than them. So, that's how I feel about the subject because, you know, I, um, I look back on my own experience and the teen sex I was having was because of the results of compound sexual assault. But, That's not every teen's teen sex reality. So I don't make my traumatic experiences blanket statements for everyone's sexual ethics. Um, But it does help to well inform that I can. I'm not a Puritan. But I'm also not a. Sexualized. ...version of live fast and die young either. I avoid both... ...extremities, sexually speaking. So... ...I'm encouraging... ...healthy sexual ethics. I'm not telling people to have sex. I'm not telling people to not have sex. Because both are not my responsibility. Not my duty. Not my job. But I tell people... ...if you're going to do these things... This is how... These are healthy ideas. to how I go about it. Because you all know I'm not the sex police. I'm not the private life police. I'm not the body police. I'm a body positivity. Sex positivity. Kink positivity. Consent positivity. prude positivity. Slut positivity. Type of person. So it's like, you know... Yes, teen sex is a complex subject. I get it. Um, you know, I, I want them to do well in school and graduate and live out their careers and you know grow into their full independence and, and I have to make adult decisions all the time and as a, as a minor as a child. Um, I get all that. So those are my views on this subject. I I know that people heard that and go, we have to hear what Antonio's got to say. So in general, sex positive feminists like me, we are against laws and the barriers that aim to control consensual sexual activity. Sex positive feminism is my being connected to the sex positive movement, which I'm a member of, and I share many of its values if sex is fundamentally healthy and pleasurable. I do. Uh, my sex positive feminism is also called my pro-sex feminism, my sex radical feminism, and my sexual liberal feminism. My main argument behind sex positive feminism is that I know that women should be free to have sex with whenever they please, something that men are believed to be able to do with considerably less stigma because of our toxic, hyper masculine global society. So, let's talk about this. So, I want to talk about this, though. When people hear porn, they think of mainstream porn. Makes sense. Understandable. So I want to talk about something. Okay, so I'm going to just definitely get to um, this perspective. So, what it means to be heteroflexible, right? So, here's a brief history of sexual orientations by Annabelle Bernard Fournier, updated on uh, April 4th, 2023 of this year. Medical Review by Akeem Marsh, M.D. So, I'm a, I'm a heteroflexible person. I just found out last night because I'm still researching my feelings and my um, necessities in human being. So, my heteroflexibility describes my sexual behavior. I identify as straight. But sometimes I do have sex with people of the same sex. And sometimes I have sex with people who are non-binary, trans, even, um... So, some research indicates that as much as 15% of the US population, which I'm a member of, identifies as heteroflexible. So, that would be me. I'm a part of that population, that demographic. So, my heteroflexibility is emerges as a term to describe people like me, who, yes, I identify as predominantly straight. Yes, I am mostly heterosexual. And. I am pansexual. I'm the kind of pansexual that is mostly straight. But sometimes I... I'm um, the type of person that... enjoys romantic intimacy, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy intellectual intimacy and spiritual intimacy with people of the same gender, as well as non-binary persons, trans persons, gender non-conforming persons, and all these persons are adults. Um, I know the term can be controversial, as some suggested it contributes to bi-erasure and bi-invisibility. My heteroflexibility is... It complements gender and sexual diversity. So I don't do invisibility. I don't do erasure. I would suggest that such claims minimize the identities of those who use the heteroflexible label. No, I don't minimize anyone's full humanity. It's one of the hell no-nos of the human rights movement that I'm a part of. Um LGBTQI plus orientations From the late 19th century to recently American culture recognized only two possible sexual orientations Straight and gay Slash lesbian By the way Heterosexism is fucked up Heteronormativity is fucked up Cisnormativity is fucked up Cissexism is fucked up And Black and white thinking towards sexuality, sensuality, eroticism, biology, and romance are all fucked up too. It says, This also held true for the man slash woman gender binary aside from the idea of two spirits from indigenous and other cultures where gender fluidity was more accepted. Um, I, I, am, I fully embrace the full fluidity of humanity. That is a human rights movement principle that I live out. It says visibility and representation of bisexuality, pansexuality, other queer orientations have expanded the range of sexual orientation, identities, and knowledge from quote-unquote mainstream American uh, culture. Um, I'm the type of queer person... That identifies as predominantly straight. Um, And queer for me means that I'm not totally heterosexual. I'm not totally cisgender. Um, I am mostly a man. I'm predominantly a man. Um, And again, I'm mostly straight. It says... However, our society still expects people to be heterosexual as a default, a phenomenon known as heteronormativity. The problem with human beings is that when most people are a certain way, they expect everyone to be that certain way, which I think is insulting to the magnificence of human relatability, human resonance, and human relevance to it says what is heteronormative in short society treats heterosexuals as normal and unworthy of notice while people who are not heterosexual like me face extra scrutiny sexualization and stigma i am still the type of person i always have and always will be i never saw Gender and sexual diversity is a bad thing. Even when I was a devout Christian kid at the age of five, growing up in organized crime and spending a lot of time with LGBTQ plus individuals, I didn't know I was one of us until much later in life, but, um, you know, I never saw people not heterosexual as sinful going to hell. I never felt that way. And I never felt that people who were not cisgender were sinful going to hell. Never felt those ways, never have, never will. And it's amazing, pleasantly speaking, because I grew up in a um, queerphobic Crime world, but I never allowed those feelings to be my feelings, never have and never will. So, the term heteroflexible that I just des- that, that's my self description has recently emerged to describe people like me who, yeah, I have same sex desires, yes, I have non binary and trans desires, but I still identify as primarily heterosexual. Um, heteroflexibility versus bisexuality. Heteroflexibility is a subcategory of bisexual. If you're heteroflexible, I am, I'm not if, I am heteroflexible. So I am a subcategory of bisexuality, if you will. That means that I am, I am primarily straight, but I'm open to sex with people of the same sex and non-binary sex and trans sex and gender nonconforming sex. Um, I am mostly attracted predominantly attracted to women but I have secondary attraction to men and thirdly I have attraction to Uh, gender, non-conforming, non-binary, and trans persons. Then it says, The history of heteroflexibility. To understand what this label means, it might be helpful to understand its history. Sexual orientation categories appeared in the late 19th century with the invention of the words homosexuality and heterosexuality. Before the invention of these words, gay and lesbian acts were outlawed, which I think is shitty. But there but there was no one widely accepted word for identifying as a person who has sex with people the same gender. So a lot of times in religion they make it seem like these words were always in usage, but it wasn't till centuries later that people came up with those words. Plus there was no Concept or sexual orientation in biblical times, in Quran times, in Torah times, in Gita times either. Your, your, your biology was dependent upon the role of sex. I'm talking about intercourse that you play. Passive active, which I think is still ancient queer phobia because... Sex is not about who's passive, who's active. It's about all, all comprehensive exchange of the human outer and the human inner. That's how it defines being human. Uh, essentially, erotically, and sexually speaking, and romantically speaking. It says, in his famous book, Gay New York, historian George Chauncey described how New York men in the early 20th century could have sexual relationships with other men without losing identity as men, which at the time was synonymous with heterosexual. Manhood is not about penetration. Manhood is not about how many people you penetrate. Uh, Manhood is not even about sex. Manhood is about um, hospitality coming from males. Um. And can you actually show that to other males? And more importantly, can you show that to girls and women? That's what manhood is about. Manhood is about your heart, not your outward appearance. And I dare say that womanhood is about your heart, not your outward appearance. Womanhood is not about how many guys you can run through or and womanhood is not about sex womanhood is not about being penetrated womanhood is about hospitality to other females and can you show that do you have hospitality well probably can you show hospitality to men boys? And I would say to males, can you show hospitality to non-binary gender-forming trans people? And I would say to women, same thing. Can you show hospitality to non-binary transgender non-conforming people? Because your orientation is not about your gender. Your orientation is not about your sexual behavior at all. So men straight, women straight, should not always go together because not every man is straight, and not every woman is straight. Not every person is cisgender. So that has to be considered 100% respectable and 100% respectful. It says as long as a man dressed and acted in masculine ways with a penetrating partner it was acceptable, having a course of other. Um, I think that is what people would call cruddy shit. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't go by society's definitions of gender and sexuality. Because why is manhood all about being a brute? And why is womanhood all about being... A chattel slave. Why is manhood about enslaving, and why is womanhood all about enjoying victimization? So there's, so those are forms of misandry, misogyny, and queerphobia. To be quite honest says men who acted in feminine ways were the receiving partner were called fairies rather than gay. It was all about gender performance rather than attraction. To me, why why the demonization of girls and women and why the God complex towards men and boys? The idolatry just keeps worsening and worsening this This idol worship is why jackasses are jackasses. Mm. As the 20th century moved on, however, ideas of heterosexuality and homosexuality took hold as identities. In other words, having sex with the same gender became more than an act. It was something someone was rather than something someone just did an identity over an activity. I think that is a. Flawless description of who and what I am. I do who I am. My activity is my identity. I don't do it because it's not who I am. I do it because that's who I am. I say that because that's who I am. I don't say that because that's who I am, right? So you can also say it like this. I say it because that's not who I am. I say it because that's who I am. That can go both ways, right, depending upon who what you are. Another way of saying it, I don't say that because that's not who I am. I say that because that's who I am. I don't do that because that's not who I am. I do that because that's who I am. I don't think that because that's not who I am. I do think that because that's who I am. I don't feel that because that's not who I am. I do feel that because that's who I am. Then it says, these categories have been more or less flexible throughout the last hundred years. 1960s, and 1970s were looser in terms of sexual experimentation and identity, while the 1980s and 1990s saw a return of clear rigid boundaries around the action that are acceptable from heterosexuals and LGBTQI plus people and cisgender people. Rigidity is why people are fearful of gray areas. You have gray areas in sexuality, sex, romance, biology, physicality, and psychology, and sensuality, and eroticism. And it makes people afraid because... Religion, hellbounds people acknowledges such things and concepts, and a lot of times people want to. People hate nuance because nuance requires thoughtfulness and being of thought. Nuance requires critical thinking, creative thinking, lateral thinking, and just, we live in an intellectually lazy society. We don't live in an intellectually courageous society. It says heteroflexibility today. In the past few years, social scientists have seen a return to flexible notions of what it means to be heterosexual. Research from 2018 by social scientists Carrillo and Hoffman suggests that men who have an occasional attraction to and slash or sex other men are able to expand the category of heterosexuality to include their behavior. So I have occasional attractions to men um, and I occasionally have sex with other men. I have occasional attractions to non-binary, transgender, non-conforming people. And, um, I have occasional sex with non-binary, trans, and gender non-conforming people too. It says, mostly they do this in terms of denying their attraction to men. I don't do that because it's pointless and meaningless for me to do so. And talking about sex with men is only for pleasure when women are unavailable or as a Perversion. No, I don't use men for pleasure. Um, If I have sex with someone, it's because there was an intellectual, psychological, emotional, spiritual attraction first, and the sexual attraction was the extra attraction available. Um, I don't look at women as available or unavailable. I don't look at men or non-binary people as available or unavailable. I think that is a sexual slavery mentality, which I saw growing up in... I don't allow those ways of thinking to seep in my soul. And there's nothing about me that screams perversion. That's self-explanatory. Then it says, this research concluded that instead of switching to a bisexual identity, these men changed definition of heterosexual to include occasional attraction, or sexual acts with men. I, uh, I agree with sexual orientation, expansion, and inclusion, and belonging, and hospitality. So I love that. Something that sounds a lot like the early 20th century New Yorkers that Chauncey studied, which I think is outstanding. Says, so as long as these men maintain that they're not, you know, says, as long as these men maintain that they're not inherently attractive to men and behave in typically masculine ways, they mentally retain their, their heterosexuality and privilege. I don't do that. I don't treat m- my sexual desires, sensual erotic desires as a privilege because that's still dangerous to LGBTQ plus people like myself. And I don't do typically masculine. I do me. I do myself. Um, people can put who I am in categories all they want to. I don't box myself into any kind of box. Um, I am inherently attracted to women. I'm inherently attracted to men. I'm inherently attracted to non-binary, transgender, non-conforming people. I am the most inherently attracted to women, though. And because I identify as mostly predominantly a man, I would be put in the... Um, the mostly masculine category, which it is what it is, um, It's just that my way of being masculine has nothing to do with being beastly at all whatsoever. I'm definitely feeling, I'm not unfeeling. Um, heteroflexibility as an orientation Heteroflexibility as an orientation is akin to categories 1 and 2 in the Kinsey scale With 0 being exclusively heterosexual 6 being exclusively homosexual However because it involves Attraction and slasher acts of people of The same sex Some critics argue that heteroflexibility is just another word For bisexuality So because I'm pansexual I do have some bisexuality I'm, I'm honest about that It's just that I would put myself as a three and a four. No, four. No, 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 I would put myself as a between three and four in terms of the Kinsey scale, three or four. Um, some people will say heterophlex blue is another word for bisexuality. Some don't either way. I'm not going to fight or nor debate or argue with anybody about who and what the fuck I am. Then it says, Some suggest that some people might choose heteroflexibility as a label as a way to minimize stigma. Um, I believe in destroying stigmas. That's one of my definitions of fun for myself. It says, the research by Carrillo and Hoffman highlights a key difference between bisexual and flexibility for some people which is named that heteroflexible people sometimes claim they're not usually attracted to people the same gender I am it's just not as strong as my attraction to women and yes I'm usually attracted to gendered non-conforming um non-binary trans people it's just that I am the most usually attracted to women So this does raise interesting questions, I know. It says having sex without attraction, something I never do. It nauseates me just thinking about it. Many people have sex with people they are not attracted to and have even enjoyed that sex. Oh, hell no. Fuck that shit. Mm -mm. If you don't turn me on, you don't get any of my goodies from the goodie bag. It says it could be for many reasons. They hired a sex worker... Or they had sex with a little partner exclusively for their own pleasure, for example. To me, that is sexual egomania. That is being a sexual tyrant, and that is being of sexual narcissism. Like nothing wrong hiring a sex worker, because That's what you do, but make sure you're attracted to people if you're going to pay them to sleep with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you may have sex with a part to make sure, okay, there was an internal attraction and the external attraction was just the bonus. Whether you pay for sexual services or have free sex. You know, that's how I feel. I, I've never had sex with anyone I was not attracted to, even in my past. And I can honestly say... Did I enjoy the sex back then overall? Yeah. C- did, did I fully enjoy it? I couldn't because of the trauma. Um. If I if I wasn't hurt and the people around me weren't hurt, the sex would have been fully enjoyable. Because we were I, every person that had sex was the, was a compound trauma survivor like me. Um. Then it says, this means that heteroflexible men don't have to be attracted to men to be willing to have sex with them. I I can't do that. If I if we're naked together, it's because your soul and your body turn me on. Your soul is number one attraction. The body is second attraction. So, I am willing to have sex with people I'm attracted to. I'm not willing to have sex with people I'm not attracted to. It says, but in some cases, they could also be denying their attraction to avoid the label of gay, lesbian, or bisexual. I used to do that when I was much younger out of my religious upbringing and um, cultural upbringing. I don't anymore. It says, it's difficult for scientists to separate the two as that will require access to a person's most private thoughts. Yeah. I value sexual privacy, sexual confidentiality, Not just value privacy and confidentiality overall because these are all human rights. It says, what makes someone gay? Some people think that one instance of same-gender attraction or sex makes someone gay or a lesbian automatically. This is obviously not the case. Bisexual people have sex with people the same gender without being gay. The boundaries between heterosexuality and LGBTQI plus are often subjective, leaving people lots of leeway complexities gray areas if you will and how they can identify um which i do appreciate (laughs) because we shouldn't try to control someone's identity that's their job not ours it says therefore i do choose to identify as predominantly heterosexual even after having sex people of the same gender I mostly have sex with people of the opposite gender. I know that same gender, opposite gender, it can be a sense of warfare to people, like, animizing. But with me, the majority of my sexual partners are women. Um, it says, this is why social scientists have created the following categories for talking about sexuality. Sexual orientation, identity, what you call yourself, sexual behavior, what, what you do, sexual attraction, who you are. So what I call myself and what I, okay, so what I do and what I am attracted to, it are it are the results of what I call myself. I do this because I'm attracted to this because this is my self-description. It says these three things can and often do show different patterns among individuals throughout each person's life course. Yes, so. Every heteroflexible person, every person would describe themselves diversely. And that's beautiful in and of itself inherently. It says, why some find the term uh, controversial? Some critics question whether people can have sex with other same sex can claim to be heterosexual. I think so. It's about what you're mostly attracted to. What are, like, what fantasies do you have? Uh, the majority of the time. That's the compassionate concentration. So there's one common criticism of the term heteroflexibility is that it perpetuates bi-racial, by, by invisibility. Again, gender and sex diversity is visible and, more importantly, gender and sexual diversity belong. So such criticism is just that people are identifying as that are flexible because they're uncomfortable being called bisexual or pansexual. I call myself pansexual, so if I was called pansexual, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not call- I'm not uncomfortable being called bisexual because at one point that was my self-description. So if I call myself that, I'm not uncomfortable with other people calling me that. So. It says, some suggest that the level of heteroflexibility can give people the comfort to explore same-sex attractions. Yes! Enough said. This, however, can leave those who describe themselves as heteroflexible feeling that their identity is less valid, only step in the journey towards raising of the queer label. You already know, even though I'm mostly straight and mostly a man, I'm queer, I'm pansexual. And... My identity has no inv- has no invalidation to it, and I embrace all of me, but I understand what my minor attractions are, what my major attractions are. And you already know what those are. It says, on the other hand, some argue that a person may identify with any in- orientation it pleases up to the individual to discern. And this light heteroflexibility is just as genuine and significant as any other orientation, which is absolutely motherfucking true. It says, it's important to remember that people self-define and choose their own labels. Some people may feel that heteroflexible best describes how they feel. Others may feel that a different label, such as bisexual, pansexual, fluid, better reflects their sexual identity. You already know, I'm a sexually fluid, gender fluid type of person. Um, and then it says, how to know if you're heteroflexible, like other terms that describe sexual orientations, the meaning of heteroflexibility, is subjective. It might mean something different to you than it does to another person. Generally, you might be better flexible you're straight, but I've enjoyed being with someone of the same sex. That's me. You prefer the opposite sex, but you felt attracted to people on the same sex on a few occasions. That's me. You know that I'm not 100, you know you're not 100% straight, but queer, bisexual, don't seem to fit your orientation exactly. Well, I'm not 100% straight. Um, queer and pansexual is my secondary orientation. Heteroflexibility is my number one orientation. So that's true. You, you, you'd you be with someone the same sex in certain situations, Yes, that's me. Um, You prefer the opposite sex, but you like to experiment with people the same sex. That's me. You're satisfied with the orientation, but are curious. That's me. Being with someone the same sex is on your bucket list, but you could, Yeah, it is, but you can content with someone the opposite sex. That's true. I'm also content with the same sex. I'm just the most content with people the opposite sex. And you're probably wondering, what are these certain situations and experimentations regarding the same sex and curiosity? Well, hey, I would... Okay, the certain situations would be... Sex clubs, BDSM clubs, and gay bathhouses. Um... As a child, and even as an adult, whenever I did... Do you think of marriage? I think I prefer to marry a woman. Um... And have a woman as my life partner. Um, at the same time. If my heart was to marry a man. Or have a man as a life partner. I'm not going to turn them down. Even if I meet. Man that am attracted to outside of sex clubs. BDSM clubs and gay bathhouses. I'm not going to turn them down sexually. I'm not going to turn them down romantically. You know. But. You know that's just certain certain situations i feel comfortable you know with men but i'm most comfortable with sex and romance when it comes to women so when it comes to procreation i prefer to do that with a woman i prefer to marry a woman i prefer to have a woman's life partner because what i'm most attracted to but if i meet men who have all those things um i'm not going to turn them down at all because I don't turn down who and what's right for me. I don't turn down healthy compatibility, healthy chemistry at all. Um. So, um, I meet women attracted to inside a sex close, outside of sex close, predominantly mostly. Um, here we go. It worked from, from very well. Ultimately, heteroflex was just one way to describe someone who does not identify as entirely heterosexual. You already know that's me. Labels can be helpful in some ways. They may help people learn to embrace their own identity and find a community of support, for example. That fits who I am. Recent poll suggest the younger generation may be more comfortable not identifying by a rigid sexuality dichotomy. One recent survey found that among Americans between the ages of 13 and 20, only 48% identified themselves as exclusively heterosexual. That's definitely who and what I am. Rather than stress about the labels that people choose, the most important thing is to support all people in the LGBTQ community and ensure everyone feels safe, accepted, and supported. And that's what I uh, stand for. Hmm. Okay. So um I really wanna make this clear and uh talk about my demisexuality very, very quickly. So I'm the type of person that values emotions and feelings. I don't feel sexually attracted to people unless I've gotten to know them. Like, I could feel a hotness, but the sexual attraction is not fully set in stone until I've known you. It takes me a while to develop feelings of attraction to someone. I prefer to take my time getting to know another person before getting involved romantically and sexually. Um, I do enjoy emotionally healthy casual sex and emotionally healthy friends benefits relationships, but casual sex without emotional health, I don't enjoy that. And friends-benefit relationships that are without emotional health, I don't enjoy that. I just don't. Um, other signs that I am demisexual is that... um. My sex relationships always start as friendships. I become more attracted to people I'm involved with the longer I know them. It is a characteristic of my demisexuality. It takes me a lot of warm-up to the idea of sex with someone, even if I like them a lot. Um, I may not think about sex much unless we are overwhelmingly on the same page regarding sex and our emotions. I do think about sex much, but only from an emotionally healthy context. I don't think much about emotionally unhealthy sex in terms of being in favor of it. I never have been, never will be. And sex isn't, sex is important to me, but it's not idol worship for me it's not an idolatry to me what's the most important to me is not sex um but especially as a single person i am uh but uh sex isn't that important uh this as a single person but sex isn't that important to me from a make it my god standpoint no the most important thing to me and my single living is being a well-balanced well-rounded well-adjusted well-unified just right not too much not too little type of person that's what's important to me sex isn't that important to me from a societal standpoint but it is from a inner beauty standpoint, so. And you already know I'm a sapiophile because I'm a person who's attracted, whether it be sexually or otherwise, to intelligence and intelligent people. And I prioritize that over physical appearance. And, um, you all know I'm a sapio sexual because um, I am sexually attracted to highly intelligent people. Um, I prefer deep conversations. I believe intelligence is sexier than a beach bod, even though I love beach bods. My ideal first date is a cozy bookstore. I love libraries. So... That's who and what I am. Uh, I just love being honest. this episode.